Hello, this is Jake Watkins. I'm the Young Adults Pastor at Cross City Christian Church, and welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk inspires you and encourages you into anchoring the love and power of Jesus into your daily life. Enjoy the message. My name is Jake. Thank you, Presley. Our table's gone. It's disappeared. Classic. Classic. Uh, my name is Jake, though, and I'm, I'm glad you're here tonight. I'm the Young Adults Pastor. On the screen right here, you're going to see our QR code. Point and shoot. You're going to have access to all our resources, um, but also uh, our digital notes. You'll find in there, it'll say digital notes. You can click on that. You'll find our key verse for the night and some fill-ins and I know fill-ins, you're like, what is this? Is this class? Is this school right now? Look, sometimes for me, writing things down, I remember more clearly when I do that. So if you'd like to follow along, you can. But we're in this series called Battle Plans Revisited. I'm super stoked about it. We had Keith McCann with us last week. We had Zach with us the week before that. And I'm super stoked to be preaching tonight. So here's a key verse that we've been in. This is a key verse for the whole series. It's going to be the same verse every week, just so you know. You're going to get sick of it, but maybe you'll remember it. It says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and then after you have done everything, stand Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. This is the word of God. Amen. 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 Turn to your neighbors. Say battle plans. Battle plans. Battle plans. I don't know if you know this. If you've been coming, you'll probably you've heard us say this many times. Your first night. I don't know if you know this. You and I right now currently are in the midst of spiritual warfare. You and I are currently in the midst of battles going on in and around us, unseen with spiritual forces. I mean, it's so far as to Paul says that our, our problem is not flesh and blood. Our problem is the battles we face are with the things unseen in the heavenly realms. And that's a scary, uh, you know, that's a scary thing to think about. But God knows you're going to be going through these spiritual battles, God knows that you're going to be fighting these spiritual battles, and so he doesn't leave you high and dry, right? God equips you, and he equips you with the tools and the things necessary to not just fight, but to win spiritual battles. And we've been looking at these things over the last several weeks, these things God equips us with, these tools, these spiritual pieces of armor, and we see that God gives us exactly what we need, that each piece of the armor 
has a purpose. Each piece has a purpose. So first week, it was the belt of truth. Paul talks about the belt of truth. These are all metaphorical, right? But he's telling you, put on truth. Truth is what God says about a situation. Then the second thing Paul lists is the breastplate of righteousness. See, righteousness, if you remember, is God's truth about a situation put into action in a situation. Then we got to the shoes, the shoes of peace. And and the shoes of peace was having the peace that only God can give us to walk through a situation. And then Keith, last week, he talked about the shield of faith. And the shield of faith is used to, to block those flaming arrows from the enemy in the middle of a situation. And so now we get to this one. We're on this helmet of salvation. And, and, and the uh, New Living Translation puts it this way. It says, put on salvation as your helmet. Put on salvation as your helmet. Well, what, like, what does that mean? What is salvation? Your first feeling for tonight, if you're taking notes, salvation is a guarantee. Salvation is a guarantee. You know what a guarantee is? You know when someone guarantees, like men's warehouse, you're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. That's a guarantee, right? The definition of it is this, a formal promise, typically in writing, that certain conditions will be fulfilled. Y'all want to see a guarantee about your salvation in writing? <laughs> Check this out. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, just a few chapters back from this, it says this. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, believed what? When you believed truth, you were marked in him with a seal. What's the seal? The promised Holy Spirit. This, the Holy Spirit is the seal. Who is a deposit? What's a deposit? The Holy Spirit. When you believed in the truth. The Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The Spirit seals you, guaranteeing your inheritance. Now, the word guaranteeing is the verb. It's the action of a guarantee. So let's look at the definition of guarantee in the verb form. It says, provide a formal assurance or promise, especially that certain conditions shall be fulfilled relating to a product, a service, or transaction. See, I want you to know that a transaction occurred. There was a transaction that occurred. When you hear the truth about Jesus, that Jesus is the word made flesh, that he's the son of God, fully man, fully God, there at the beginning of creation and there at the end, sent to fulfill the law and pay for our sins, our debt, pay the debt that we owed. When you hear that truth about who Jesus is and what he did for you, when you hear that truth, and then you believe that truth, and you accept the free gift of salvation, at that very moment, the Holy Spirit is deposited inside of you and seals your spirit as a guarantee of your salvation. It is a guarantee of the promise of eternal life. Salvation is a guarantee. I said a couple of weeks ago that we are made up of three parts. Remember that? Talked about a three-part Bible kind of kind of breaks us down into three parts. We're body, we're soul, and we're spirit. 
and your spirit on the day of your salvation was sealed with the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. And now we're in a process of sanctification. That's our souls coming into an understanding of what our spirit already knows. It's, it's, a, it's our souls coming into an understanding of our salvation and what it means to live like Jesus. So, so, so I want you to know this. No matter what happens, no matter what sin you commit, no matter in this life, if you, if you didn't give your best effort in living for Jesus, no matter if sometimes you doubted your faith, maybe sometimes you only had a little faith, maybe for a time you had no faith at all, I want you to know that your spirit is sealed no matter what with a guarantee of your salvation. It is sealed in the guarantee of the cross that you are going to inherit the inheritance promise to you. You're going to live eternally with Jesus. That is a promise that you can hold on to. Now, I read somewhere a pastor said something I kind of disagreed with, but it, it kind of makes sense. Kind of does. He says this, the only piece of the armor of God that you don't have to put on daily is the helmet of salvation, because when you're saved, Jesus puts it on for you. It kind of makes sense, right? It sounds reasonable. Like, we don't need to be resaved every day. Like, you don't have to come home every day and, like, re-accept Jesus into your heart, right? You know what I mean? You don't have to, like, commit a sin and be like, oh, crap. Uh, Jesus, would you just save me? I accept your free gift. And, and just you pay the debt for my sins. You don't have to do that every time. Like, every little thing. Maybe you had a bad thought. You don't need to be, like, re-accepting Jesus, right? And so, so you, you don't need to do it every certain amount of years. You don't need to question your salvation because you had some doubt about the validity of the Bible. Like, that's not how it works. Once you're saved... You are sealed. But here, here's where I disagree. In spiritual warfare, the devil can't attack your salvation. He cannot rob you of the eternal life Jesus gave you. Because in Romans chapter 8, verse 38, it says, nothing can separate you from the love of God. But I think Paul had a reason for including the helmet of salvation. If it was on you, and once it's on you, it's always on you. You don't have to worry about putting it on. I think Paul wouldn't have listed it. I think he wouldn't have put it in here. But I think there's Paul a reason for including it. He was reminding us to suit up daily. He was reminding us that we had to be prepared at all times for spiritual Battles, part of God's battle plan is equipping us. Here's, here's where I get this. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. I think it gives us a clear image of what Paul meant. It says this, But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, the armor of God, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. The confidence of our salvation. I mean, you ever, you ever need to be reminded of something you already know? Like, you know something, you're like, I know I know that, but then something reminds you of the thing you, like, forgot you knew. A lot of you, okay, I see you out there, you don't remember that you have a blinker, and all, you're merging into my lane, okay? And you need to be reminded that you have a blinker, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, I knew I had that. Some of you need to remember that, okay? That's something you knew you had, but you needed to be reminded of to use. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, like see, it's, it's not that we have to be resaved re every day. It's not that we have to be resaved every day. It's that we need to remind ourselves of our salvation every day. Like, I remember as a kid, I hated helmets. 
I despised helmets. My mom would always be like, you got to wear your helmet. I'd be trying to ride my skateboard all goofy-footed. She'd be like, put on your helmet. You know, I'd be like doing rollerblades, put on your helmet. And I just hated helmets. I wanted to be free. I want to feel the wind in my hair. You know what I mean? I don't want to look all goofy with my helmet on. Well, um, something was big when I was a kid. Um, and they like, came up with this crazy invention, all right? It was shoes... And then you put a wheel in the heel. They called them Heelys. You were the flyest kid if you had those Heelys, man. You, one, one second you're walking, the next second you're gliding. I mean, you're like, you're Michael Jackson doing the moonwalk everywhere you go. You're sliding all over the place. I hated having to wear my helmet when I was just riding around on my Heelys. But my mom was, like, most of the time I wouldn't, but my mom was always, you gotta wear your helmet. I remember this one time, we're walking around the neighborhood, and we're going, we're going around the neighborhood, and I'm wearing my Heelys, but I'm also wearing my helmet, because my mom was with me. And I get you this big heel, I mean, huge or massive, it's probably this big, okay? But as a kid, it's huge. I start to go down with my Heelys, I'm feeling good, I'm, catch, I'm catching some MPH, all right, miles per hour. I'm just, I'm picking up, okay? I'm about to hit 88 and fly to the future, 1985. I don't know, okay? And so I'm going down this hill. I start to get a little wobbly, okay? I don't know how to slow down. The only thing you can do on a Healy is put your feet down. So I freaked out. Feet down. Topple head over first, man. I go boom, boom, tumbling down this little hill, okay? I would have cracked my dome open, if it wasn't for the helmet that my mom had me wearing, okay? It would have been bad. I'm probably blood everywhere. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't be here today. But I was wearing my helmet, and all it was was some crying from my mommy, okay? That's what it turned out to be. But I was wearing my helmet. Why do we have helmets? Because they protect our head. What's your head, your skull protecting? Your brain, okay? We got hard heads for a reason. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a hard head. Look, your head, your hard head, is trying to protect the incredibly vital yet ridiculously vulnerable part of your being. Your head's protecting something incredibly vital yet ridiculously vulnerable. I mean, a a movie came out just a few years ago starring Will Smith. And he portrays a doctor who was, who was studying all the effects of the collisions, head-to-head collisions in the NFL. And it really sparked a movement of, of, of upping safety and stuff because they were seeing the long-term effects that can cause damage to your brain from getting them hit so often. And it, it's, it's, it's your hard head trying to protect an incredibly vital yet ridiculously vulnerable part of your being. Our brains are capable of more than real, really, more than we realize. That's the reality, is our brains are capable of more than we realize. Our brains control whether, whether we're happy. Our brains control whether we're sad or frustrated. The neurological pathways that we build in our brains, they're responsible for habits. They're responsible for addictions. They're responsible for choices. Our brains control our movements. They control our decision-making. They can control our attitude. Pastor Craig Rochelle, author of the book, Winning the War in Your Mind, says this, that your mind is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. 
Your mind is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I mean, do you realize the power of your thoughts? Do you realize the power of your thoughts? I read this in the New England Journal of Medicine. This tripped me out. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it when I read it. Listen, anywhere from one-third to 80% of all suicide attempts are impulsive acts. Anywhere from one-third to 80% of all suicide attempts are impulsive acts. 24% of those who made near-lethal suicide attempts, that means they almost succeeded in killing themselves, 24% decided to kill themselves less than five minutes before the attempt. And 70% of those who survived their suicide attempt made the decision within an hour of the attempt. They said suicidal urges are sometimes caused by immediate stressors such as breakup, job loss, that go away with the passage of time. And 90% of people who survive suicide attempts, including the most lethal type, like trying to shoot yourself in the head, don't end up killing themselves later. That statistic reflects the temporary nature and fleeting sway of many suicidal crises. That shows me that your thoughts have power. That shows me that what you think about yourself can shape your entire life. That shows me that what you think about a situation can change the entire outcome of that situation. Do I have any overthinkers in the room? Just chronic overthinkers, overthink everything. I mean, it's amazing what we can overthink as humans. She looked at me funny. I bet... Ridiculous. She's so rude. She's so mean. She wasn't even looking at you. You're just overthinking it. She was looking past you. I mean, you ever been in that situation? I mean, that, how about you're in the dark, you're in bed, you're about to fall asleep. All of a sudden, in the corner of your eye, you're like, oh my gosh, it's a monster. It's just your laundry you haven't put away, man. You're overthinking it. It's nothing. Our brains have that kind of power. I think when Paul talks about our salvation, when Paul talks about our salvation, he talks about it as something you can't get rid of. It's with you wherever you go. The helmet's not, it's, it's something you can't get rid of, but it's something you can choose to not put on. The helmet is something that you can't get rid of, but it's something that you can choose to not put on. When you don't put it on, it's not that you're not going to be saved, okay? You're saved. You're sealed. When you don't put on the helmet, it's not that you're not going to be saved. It's that your mind is open for attack. It's that your mind is open for attack. Paul reminds us to take it and put it on because more than any part of our body, our minds need to be protected. Because if the devil can control your thoughts, he can control your life. If the devil can control how you think about a situation, he can control the outcome of the situation. If the devil can control what you think about a decision, he can control the decision you're going to make. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. You may have heard this verse. It's not going to be on the screens. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You may have heard that verse, but that end, that ending, just think about such things. Think about such things. Paul knew that where your thoughts are comes your actions. From where your thoughts are comes your actions because what you think and believe becomes your reality. What you think and believe becomes your reality. And when we don't live with the truth of our salvation on our hearts and minds every day, we become vulnerable to the lies and lies of the enemy. I find this. I find that you get two immensely important things when you put on the helmet of salvation. You get two important things. When you arm yourself with the knowledge and truth of your salvation and you put it on and you put it into practice, you gain two extremely important things and your helmet actually becomes a weapon of the mind. And there's spiritual warfare going on around you. Here's the first thing. Here's the first thing. The guarantee of your salvation brings confidence. The guarantee of your salvation brings confidence. Your, conf- your salvation brings confidence. Uh, who knows that uh, confidence is important? Doing things with confidence, important. Having confidence in a situation, important. Ladies, imagine. You're standing there with your girlfriend. You're chatting away. You see out of the corner of your eye, a dude's just awkwardly staring at you for a long period of time. Okay, you're like, oh my gosh, is he going to come talk to me or what? And you just see him. You see him. He's staring at you. Then all of a sudden, he's, he reaches into his pocket, and he pulls out a piece of paper and a pen, and he starts writing down, and he's all nervous, and he's shaking, and he's sweating, okay? And he folds up that piece of paper, and he awkwardly walks over, and he doesn't make eye contact with you, but he walks over to your friend and says, this is for her. And he hands you the note to your friend and then awkwardly walks away to the corner of the room and is just like staring at you. And then your friend's like, that was weird, and hands you the piece of paper. And you unfold that piece of paper. And you start to read and it says, will you go out with me? Circle yes or no. That guy was not confident. You know that he lacks some confidence. And so you can confidently circle no and toss that paper back to him, right? Like that is... If he's going to ask you out, he needs some confidence. He needs to be able to say hi, because if that's what that was like, imagine dinner with that dude, okay? Guys, you want a lady who's at the altar with you. You're about to say, I do. The officiant says, for better or worse, in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer. You want the woman you're going to be marrying, go, richer or poorer? Oh, man. How much time do I got? Can I think about this? Can we take a break? No, you want want a woman that's going to be like, I do, confidently, right? Confidence in a situation matters. And there are things that we have to be confident in. I remember when I was playing basketball, freshman year. By the time I got to freshman year, I kind of had a growth spurt, and I always ended up like a little taller than everyone else on the team. But I remember one time my coach came up to me. He said, you got to play with confidence. I said, what you mean? He's like, you're, you're taller than everybody else, but you're playing like you're smaller. 
you're lacking confidence. You're, you're, you're playing smaller. You're not playing taller. And, and, and that, that shook me. In, in, in this verse, in, in 1 Thessalonians, the, that verse 8, it says, But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. So I got to ask you, are you fighting your spiritual battles with confidence? Are you fighting your spiritual battles with confidence or are you fighting smaller? Are you facing your battles smaller because you aren't playing with confidence? And when you decide not to put on the mental truth of your salvation, you leave yourself open to the enemy of persuasion. And the enemy has the chance to creep into your mind. And man, that could come in many forms. It can come in the form of telling yourself that you're not good enough. It could come in the, in the form of telling yourself that you're not worthy of love, that you're not valued, that no one cares for you, that no one loves you, that no one wants you. But that's a scheme of the enemy because he will get you to tear yourself down with your own thoughts and it can happen fast. But when you put on the confidence of salvation and you tell the enemy that he has no place in your space because you have a God who says you are loved, you are valued, and you are cared for. That's why Paul urges you to put on this confidence daily. It's the reminder of our salvation that gives us hope in the face of spiritual battles. It's a reminder of the grace of God and the peace that we already have. You already have it. You just got to use it. And, and see, the tactic of the enemy is that he, he knows he can't take away what God has freely given you, but he can get you to set it down for a while. He knows he can't steal it. He knows he can't touch it. But he knows he, he may be able to get you to forget about it for a bit. And, and when he gets you distracted enough in life to not put on the helmet, the protection of the knowledge of salvation, when he can get you to take off the confidence, that's when he attacks you with the worry, the anxiety, and the fear. And I want you to know, if you're struggling with worry and anxiety and fear, then you can know that those things are not good. And if those things are not good, then you can know that those things are not from God. If it's not good, it's not from God. And the reminder to put on this confidence of salvation is what makes us aware and take inventory and take control of what we're letting into our brains. Remembering to put on this helmet of salvation is a trigger for us to take inventory of what thoughts we're letting control us, what we're letting control our decisions and choices, or what we're letting control our attitudes. You need this armor if you're going to make a difference in the kingdom of God. You're going to need this armor if you, if you want to walk through life the way that God has planned for you. And I want you to know, man, the enemy attacks those who can make a difference. The enemy wants to take you out of the game. He wants to render you ineffective on the battlefield. And what better way to do that than to get you down with your own thoughts? But we need to face the enemy head on with confidence. <laughs> confidence, calling the devil a liar with confidence, fending off spiritual attacks with confidence, <laughs> standing gr your ground firm with confidence, founded in the saving blood and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen here tonight? 
Jesus didn't come for you to be mostly sure about your salvation. He didn't die so you would be marginally secure with who you are. Jesus was nailed to the cross so you would be unmovingly confident in your salvation, so that you would be overwhelmingly confident in your identity and overwhelmingly confident in the power of his name and his good and pleasing and perfect will for your life. The second thing that your salvation gives you, the guarantee of your salvation brings power. The guarantee of your salvation brings power. Lately, I've been on like this retro childhood kick and i've been buying like a lot of like retro games like nintendo 64 we got any nintendo 64 people yeah 64 snes just all the good stuff all the nintendo stuff i think that's like the really good retro stuff well in the late 80s and 90s there was this ad that would play on tv i mean they had a whole magazine named after it but the tagline for nintendo was now you're playing with power Nintendo Power. And they had a whole magazine called Nintendo Power. And like the kid would put on his glove in the commercial, his power glove, and he'd be like, I'm playing with Nintendo Power. That's, yeah. I want to tell you, the guarantee of your salvation brings you power. Now you're playing with power. Look at this chapter in Ephesians 1, verse 13. It says, and you also were included in Christ... When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit. Who's a deposit? The Holy Spirit, guaranteeing our inheritance into the redemption of those who are God's possession. Look, skip to verse 18. It says, this is Paul, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and in his uncomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. People, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that literally defeated death is the same power that was deposited in you on the day of your salvation. It's the same power that sealed your spirit. It's the same power that's never going to leave you, never forsake you. That power lives inside of you. You have access to that. You can fight with confidence in the battles that you're facing. You can fight in confidence knowing that you have the power to win. You have the power to fight. Man, the goal of the enemy is to get you to not put on this power. He doesn't want you to operate with the Nintendo power, right? He wants you on that Sega crap, all right? He wants you to not, he wants you to forget that you got the power. He wants you to leave that power at home. He doesn't want you to put that on. He doesn't want you to carry that knowledge with you. He wants to be able to invade your thoughts. He wants to, he wants to be able to trade your confidence, your peace, your joy, your freedom for worry, shame, guilt, and enslavement. That's what he wants to do. I mean, he would really like you to see you fight on your own power. He wants you to believe that you're not good enough. He wants you to believe that you're not strong enough for God's power. And I want you to know the truth. The truth is that that's true. You're not good enough. 
I'm not good enough. We're not good enough. But see, the enemy operates in half-truth because he wants you to believe that that, you not being good enough, he wants you to believe that that's what disqualifies you from God's power. But you not being good enough is what qualifies you for God's power. That's the, the very thing that should disqualify you is the very thing that qualifies you in the first place. Verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 8 in Ephesians, it says, For it is by what? Grace you have been saved. Through what? Faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is from who? The gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. No one is good enough. But that's the whole point. God's grace is sufficient for us. It's not from ourselves that we've got this gift. It's not from our works, but it's by grace through faith that we've been saved. Verse, uh, in chapter 17, verse Actually, verse 17 and 18 says, He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Verse 22, And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 7, I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. See, you have access to God through his mercy and his grace, and you have power to fight and win spiritual battles. You have the power to take back control of your mind. You have the power to take back the control of your thoughts. You have the power to take back control of your life, and then you have the power to give it all to Jesus. Because it's through him and his mighty power that he has given it to you. And when you put on the confidence that you have in, in your salvation and you take hold of the power that you have through the Holy Spirit, a third thing happens. And as the band, band comes up, I want you to know when you take a hold of that salvation, you take a hold of the confidence, a third thing happens and it's this. You are filled with the fullness of God. You are filled with the fullness of God. Chapter 3, verse 16 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a serious eater. I can eat a lot. I can put it down. Piece after piece after piece of pizza. Cookie after cookie after cookie, okay? I did it last night. Worst decision I ever made, and I'll probably do it again. I was filled to the brim. I couldn't, I couldn't even look at the cookies anymore. I was full. I was full. Filled up. Couldn't eat anymore. Didn't have any room for it. And listen, the goal for us is to be so full of the fullness and the goodness of God that we don't have room in our lives for anything else. 
Man, so, so many of us have been filling ourselves with everything but the fullness of God. And you know what happens? You know what happens? I was so full last night, but today I'm empty. Man, the thing you've been going to that's been filling you up, I bet you feel empty. That thing you thought was, was going to be working to fill you up, I, I bet you that's not going to work as good as Jesus. I bet that thing that's, that's working currently right now, I bet that thing that is filling you up and you think this is good, I, I bet you by tomorrow it's, it's not going to be working out. There is an unbelievable power and an unbelievable joy and an unbelievable peace that comes when you fill yourself with the confidence, when you fill yourself with the power of the Holy Spirit and you feel and come in contact with the fullness of God. And it will bring you an experience like nothing you ever thought possible. Verse 20 now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever 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 and ever. Hallelujah. Amen. The fulfillment you're looking for is found in Jesus. The way out of your battle is found in Jesus. The victory you're looking for, found in Jesus. The fulfillment you're looking for, found in Jesus. The expectations you want met, found in Jesus. The life you're trying to live, found in Jesus. Even that relationship you're looking for, I bet you'll find that in Jesus. Look, I, I don't know what you came in here today with. I don't know what, what burden you came in with. I don't know what battle you're facing right now. I don't know. But I want you to know that if you're putting your faith in anything but Jesus, it's not working. Leave here today. I encourage you, today, walk in the fullness of God's plan for you by putting on the assurance, by putting on the confidence through the guarantee that we have in our salvation. Romans chapter 8, verse 20 says, for nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. That means not even you. Walk in the power that is the Holy Spirit. And this is an action you have to take daily. You have to remind yourself daily of what you have already been given because with what God has given you, you lack nothing. Yeah, I, I bet there's a good amount of us who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior today, but maybe some of you haven't. Maybe you don't have the confidence of your salvation. I mean, maybe you, you don't have the power of the Spirit living inside you. <laughs> maybe you're tired of the emptiness. Maybe tonight is the night that you accept Jesus. Man, if that's you, we'd love to talk to you in the back. We've got some, some people who'd love to pray with you, to walk you through what that looks like, to walk you through what Jesus did for you on the cross. Man, man right now, for us believers, man, we're going to stand in a time of response right now. Let's stand together. Come on. We're going to stand in a time of praise. We're going to stand in a time of worship, in gratitude, in the confidence, in the power of the Spirit. Can, can you lift it just like a praise, a shout of praise to God? Come on. For what he's done tonight, you've got freedom. You have victory tonight in your battles. Come on, let's sing it out. Come on. Thank you for tuning into AnchorCast. 
I pray that you take this word and that Jesus transforms your life in ways you never thought possible. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. And of course, follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to stay up to date with all of our events, meetings, and uploads. Thanks again for listening and may God bless you. Thank you.